So we're going to be doing this series um, all about um, persevere, just because, just because, really. Um, it's such a great word. It's, it's a key word. If you ever want to do anything in life, you're not really going to achieve much if you don't persevere. I'm just going to throw that one out there for free for the, for the first week. Um, if you don't persevere at something, you really won't get anywhere. There's, there's no good footballers in the world who didn't persevere. There's no good businessmen in the world who didn't persevere. There's no good mums, good dads. <laughs> there's no good children <laughs> if you don't persevere. Um, there's no one who's good at cleaning your room if you don't persevere. There's no one who's good at tidying up. There's no one good at cleaning. My wife keeps telling me I need to persevere. My cleaning isn't up to her standards. My tidying is above hers, but my cleaning is well below. Um, like you have to persevere at these things. You want to persevere at your marriage, your relationships. You have to persevere in your friendships. Jeez. You have to persevere in everything, otherwise none of those things will last very long. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at my favourite story, um, the Exodus story, because it's just banging. It's just so much in there, like constantly you can never like tire of this, of the, of the narrative that takes place in the first three chapters, first few chapters of Exodus, and actually the whole book is pretty cool. There's some dead bits, but not much. Um, safe. So today, safe, safe for that family. Um, so today, what we're looking at is we are looking at chapter three. So in the first chapter, what you have is you have a picture of how things went wrong. The picture of how things went wrong is that a long, long time ago, um, their descendants were the saviors of not just Egypt, but the entire known world. So through Joseph and how God used him to save nations, not just one nation, not just a family, nations from starvation, um, through how Joseph was used, they settled there, they were a part of everything until a new Pharaoh came into power and he forgot who Joseph was. So he saw these people there, but forgot that the reason they're there is they were the saviors of their nation. And when you forget God's grace, when you forget what someone's done for you, it's very easy to see them as not quite having the same worth that they should have. And so he enslaves his people. He used them as an opportunity. And what he does is he gets them working for him to the point of, I mean, it's complete slavery. They, they would build bricks on Monday um, and they would then move the bricks on Tuesday and then they would lay the bricks on the Wednesday and then they would build the bricks on the Thursday and the, the circle will repeat Friday and then Saturday, and then Sunday. Literally, like the rapper Favour, no days off. Like, no days off, literally zero days off. There is, there is not a single moment where these guys would catch a break. Um, days off were for the rich and for the powerful. So like Egyptians had days off, um, and really, really rich people have days off, but no one else. Um, which is actually an amazing moment to just pause in the middle of my talk and talk about an event I'm doing called Sabbath, which you can check out online. Jeez! Um, which was actually a life-changing moment in the face of the world um, because there was never a time where a day off was given regardless of race, gender, creed, or caste. Um, it was just legitimate. Boom! Everyone gets this. It doesn't matter what your stature is. Um, it was a revolution, and it's from the Bible! And God gave it to them, and it's pretty awesome. And so I'm going to be doing like an event on that. You can see all that on Facebook. Um, I'll be plugging it on the City Hill page as well. But back to where we are. So all that is kind of like the background history. These people are enslaved. They're even dying in this slavery. And um, we find ourselves with this, this hero character. It paints his story, Moses. Like he should have been killed along with the other young children um, at birth. God saves him. This amazing story takes place. He becomes a man 
he realizes and he finds out as he's brought up that he really isn't like an Egyptian and he, sh- he is in Pharaoh's household, but he's not actually Egyptian. And so he sees how his people are treat- treated in front of him and he finds it really disturbing, as anyone would. And so what happens is, one day he sees this guy getting smacked down and he's getting beat up and he's getting beaten around and he's getting really hurt. And Moses, his heart, just, he just can't take it. Like, this is his boy. This is one of his people and it's offensive to him. And so he kills this guy, hides his body in the sand. And then one day, thinking no one was around, no one saw it, the Israelites start throwing that back in his face. Like, oh, you're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian um, dude. And like Moses is like, freaks out. And he just leaves town and he runs for his life. And he ends up uh, being like a shepherd. Which, by the way, for someone raised in the Egyptian household, actually any Egyptian household, let alone the royal family, uh, the guy dropping the bombs, um, the worst job you could have, like, it would be the equivalent for us as working in the sewers. Like, people in Egypt had no time for shepherds. Like, they didn't rate them. They were, like, the bottom of the food chain. So Moses goes literally from the top of the food chain, the most important, influential family, probably in the entire known world at the time, to doing the absolute gutter job that he gets as, um, as a shepherd. Which in itself just goes to show, um, who cares what you're doing right now? You don't know what God's gonna do with your life. Even if you don't rate it, some people are happy with whatever they're doing and that's awesome and that's a great thing. So I'm not belittling anyone who's happy doing what they're doing. That's fantastic. What I'm saying is that if you're unhappy in where you are and you believe God has greater things for you, I'm here today to say, I'm pretty sure that's true. And I think it's time to persevere with that. And so Moses is going about his life, living out in the desert, feeling isolated, feeling downtrodden, feeling away from it. But actually what God is doing is something really profound in him. And um, a lot of times I think we talk about this word and it's a cop-out word often, character. God is building character in Moses. And um, often when people say that, it feels like, like not a real thing. But actually, Moses is going to be responsible for between 200,000 to 2 million people pretty soon. And um, you really need good character um, when you're going to lead something like that, where there's been no formal structure in the organization. There's no plan in the company. There's no vision. There's no nothing. And it's all going to get dumped on you. So if you don't have like 40 years as a shepherd, um, getting your stuff together, you are in real trouble when that kind of stuff falls your way. So we're going to meet Moses now at a place where he's doing this job and he's come to his position where in chapter 3, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jephro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in, the fl- in a flame of the fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and was perplexed. He was like, wow, this bush is burning, yet it's not consumed. So Moses said to himself, I will turn aside to see what this great sight is and why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush. What I love about this is, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, when the Lord saw, so the Lord was watching. This bush is taking place, this fire thing is happening and it's legit and it's for realsies. And Moses in this moment could have carried on with his day. But he saw it and turned aside. And when he turns to it to see what this is, to check it out, that's when God speaks to him. So God isn't calling to him. God isn't doing anything until he sees Moses going to see this. Now, I want to suggest something today that perhaps every single day in our lives, there are bushes burning all around us. And sometimes we aren't prepared to stop, be alive to the moment and see what it is that God is doing in our everyday life 
because we're too busy thinking of greater things. We're thinking of bigger things for us and we miss the bush that is burning there just quietly flickering around us because we're so caught up in that. There's this great story that this, the rabbis say where um, they get to the, the, the sea, the, the Egyptians are chasing behind their chariots, they're going to dead them, kill them all, and they get, the waters part, and they're walking through it, and it says, um, I might as well roll with this now, just because we're going to have some better action later, not in the wrong sense, but um, I'm going to do this. So what happens is, they cross the, they, yeah, I'm going to, they cross, they cross the, the sea, and what happens is, the rabbis say, that as they're, as they're crossing the sea, with the, wa- the walls of water holding up all around them, these two men are walking along going like, ah, oh, can you believe the wet sand in between my toes? This is disgusting. This is awful. This sucks. I can't believe we're here. Oh, this feels disgusting. And it says, they were moaning about the dirt between their toes while God was holding back the waters either side of them. And when we talk about that, we're not talking about something 2,000 years ago, 1,000, 1,000 years ago, are we? That, that doesn't relate to today, does it? None of us right now are walking through life moaning about the dirt between our toes when the walls are being held up all around us. And we're sitting and we are moaning. Oh, can you believe the mud between my toes in my life while God is holding back the waters? Because we're looking down and we're not seeing what is happening all around us. And so in this story, in this moment, what we find is Moses sees the bush and he turns aside. We need to open our eyes to what it is that's happening this week because there are burning bushes all around us. And God wants to speak to us in the here and now, in our present day, in our present job, at work. Don't be thinking too much about the big thing that you miss, the sacred moment right in front of you that's about to change everything. So when he sees this and he turns aside, he says, what a great sight. And then the Lord saw and he called out to him, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he's afraid to look at God. I want to stop there for one moment. Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The place on which you are standing is holy ground. I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this verse this week and I, 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 it just kept on bugging me on the train. Take off your sandals. Take off your sandals for the ground on which you're standing is, is holy. Take off your sandals. There's a people in slavery. There's a people in slavery. People are dying. People are being abused, and you want to talk to him about taking his sandals off. Is that odd for anyone else other than, am I the only person who finds that statement odd? I'm like, there are people suffering right now, and God wants to go, oh Moses, by the way, you need to take your shoes off. Like, you're standing on, you're standing on holy ground. I started to think about that, and I started to think about that a little bit more, and I started to ponder it, and I started to think, God, why would, why, why, why? Why, why does he need to take his sandals off? Why, why should that matter? Why does that matter? Why would that ever matter? And then I started to realize something about God and holiness and his presence and who he is. You see, all the time in my life, I have felt as if I need to cover up who I am because I'm a failure, I'm a disgrace, and I'm filthy. And I started to think about what a shepherd's feet is like. And when God calls him into his holy presence, 
He says, I want the dirtiest part of you touching and treading on this ground. Because God wants to work with the dirtiest, most disgusting, most foul part of our life. That it's not separate. So we have this idea that when holiness comes, get your together. Pull this together. Get it going. Hold it up. Actually, when holiness comes, it's time to get what is dirty and to get it out and to give it before God and, and, and go, oh, in, in the dirtiness of my feet, covered in the feces of these sheep, of these animals, in the dirt and the wear and tear, in the moment where God is holy, in the moment where God is going to call someone to save and change a nation and change all of history and all of time. And he's about to show people what it means to be free from slavery through Sabbath. Hashtag, got to check that out. Um, and all that kind of stuff that he's going to do with them and keep them doing for forever. And Sabbath and Passover and some of the greatest institutions that are going to change the whole of the way we do everything are coming from this one moment. And before God gets into any of that, the first thing he has to say to Moses is, oh Moses, you need to take your shoes off because we need to get real. We need to, we need to have a relationship where Moses, we're not meeting from, from a distance where the stuff is over there, the stuff comes right here, and it's time to remove your insecurities. It's time to become intimate. It's time to get things real. So right at the beginning, there's this fearful moment where Moses encounters God. And I think before we get to even a place where we can even talk about persevering with a challenge, because Moses had tried to do liberation and the whole freedom fighter thing on his own. He tried killing a man before, but God needs us to come to that vulnerable place with him where we will expose the challenges, the pains, and the hurts that we have, and our insecurities, and our failures, and our dirt, and we lay it bare before him. And it's then that he will call us out. And it's then, after that takes place, he's now gonna tell him who he is. He's standing on holy ground, and he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he's afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and a broad land flowing with milk and honey to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the per- loads of ites basically. We, we could read on the ites for days. Ites for days. So in this moment, what God does is now he gets down to the good stuff. Now he gets down to the important stuff. But he can't get down to the important stuff until you can be honest with God about the poo that is wrapped around your toes. The poo in your life that you are so focused on constantly. The vomit that you keep returning to again and again and again. The sin that so easily entangles. All the mess. Until you're willing just to take the sandals off and be real about the issue. He can't talk about, right, there's a people enslaved and I need to send you. Because for God, it's like, if you can't take these sandals off, we ain't going anywhere. And so we first start with God on a road of perseverance by first opening ourselves up to him and who he is. So what it says is it says there's these promises of what he's going to do. And so later on in this conversation that Moses and God has, is Moses has, has a question and he says, well, when he finally comes around to it, he says, well, who do I say that, who do I say sent me? And I'm wearing the jumper from the series where we kind of touched on this last time. And he says, I am who I am. 
which for ages theologians have said is um, God talking about revealing the perpetual nature of himself, continually existing and never changing. Whereas the rabbis say it translates as, um, I am revealing who I am by my actions. And so what happened with the children of Israel is after that passage, people kept on coming up with different names for God because they kept discovering him in different ways. They had different experiences and were like, oh, that's who he is. This is who God is. God my healer, God my provider, God my holy ATM. No, that one hasn't come out yet. Um, oh, actually it has, sadly. It needs to go away. Um, but I digress. So they came up with all these different explorations of who he is. And what happens in the passage is ultimately God sets his people free from slavery. So they know God to be this one who brings salvation, who saves us. And so then what happens is we see, if we now flick ahead to Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10. And um, there's something you should know, that before they were free from Egypt, they had this thing which they did for the first ever time. It was called Passover. They had this meal, this bread and this wine, and they broke the bread. Um, well, they had bread, wine, loads of things were involved in Passover as a later celebration. But the initial first one, obviously, we know about the lamb, unblemished, spotless, nothing wrong with it. Um, and they took it. They killed it, they ate it, they put the blood on the doorpost, angel of death passes over, they get set free and they are told, you do this every year, you celebrate this, your freedom, your slavery, from slavery, and you celebrate, you remember, you never forget. So now in verse 10, while the people of God were encamped, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, parched grain, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. So God had provided this manna from heaven all this time to provide for them while they were traveling. They're now there. And this is the first time they celebrate Passover in the land. And the very next day, they're eating the produce and the manna is no more. And there is no longer manna for people of Israel. But they ate the fruit of the land in Canaan, which if you see what God said to Moses, this is what you're going to get. This is the fruit that's going to be flowing. This is how life is going to be. This is for you. And then when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his, with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. <laughs> so it's not like you're on one side or the other. No. <laughs> it's not like, yes. It's like, no, I roll them or of you. Oh, no, no, no. Like, like oh, your tribal stuff is hilarious. No. I, um, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to my servant? And the commander of the Lord uh, Lord's army said to Joshua take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy and Joshua did so and Joshua did so and the next chapter we have the fall of Jericho so God promises this land before anything takes place the sandals have to come off so they've entered into Canaan but before they get Jericho forget about any songs forget about any trumpets forget about walking out any, any walls things just got real because Joshua took the sandals off that is when the angel of the Lord officially said in the Hebrew language, rags it on. <laughs> that was it. That was the moment. He's the commander of the Lord's army and he's waiting and he's like, yeah, God, the sandals are off. Rags it on. Literally translates in Hebrew. Literal translation. Word for word. Rags it on. 
And so what we see is we see this initial story and there's the deliverance and Moses sees all of that. But when we talk about perseverance, Joshua comes with the same vision, the same mission, carrying on the baton and he perseveres to see it through. And he comes to his moment where he's going to be like Moses and it's like, oh, the sandals. Oh, totally, yeah. This is where the sandals... Oh, I get it, Moses. I, this is what Moses told me about before, before he died. Oh, I get it, yeah. This is where the sandals come off. This is where things get real. This is where um, I reveal the, the dirtiness of my feet. This is where I come into this intimacy, into this sacred moment, and I'm ready to move on. This is where God delivers everything into our hands. Oh, I get it, cool. Here go the sandals. And so God introduced himself to them as saying, um, I am who I am. I'm revealing myself to you by my actions. And then what we have is the Bible promises that one would come who would be like Moses. And then Jesus comes with his name literally meaning salvation. And he is exactly the one that the Bible spoke of in the Old Testament scriptures. Because in Moses, you had this freedom from slavery in Egypt. But in Jesus, you had this freedom from all sin and all slavery throughout all time, forever, ever, amen. Creating a new heaven, a new earth, a new universe where sin and slavery no longer reign, but freedom reigns. And you take this Passover meal, which we now um, we have where we break bread, um, uh, Eucharist. And we remember not deliverance from Egypt, but we remember that Jesus sets each and every one of us from our own sins and our own way of life. But all of that starts with a simple moment of taking off your sandals. How do we do that as Christians? Well, there's this thing that happens when people generally do like these things called altar calls, where what they tend to do is they tend to make you aware of like your sin, um, shout some stuff at you, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so dirty. I need to take off my sandals. And we walk to the front. Um, we're not going to do that today because there is no front. <laughs> we're in a circle. We're all going to walk to the glass window, face the bus, <laughs> and just cry out to God with a loud voice. No, and I'm not going to call anyone else to expose their feet because uh, I know how offensive that could be for a lot of people today, so sorry for that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to say this, is I'm going to pray for us, but you need to have your own conversation with God because... If you've been spending this week walking through the mud, going, this is so terrible, this dirt around my feet, while God is holding back the walls around you, maybe you need to have a conversation and go, oh God, I've got this so wrong, I need to take off my sandals for you. Maybe you've been going through things and you've stopped believing what God said he was going to do in your life. Actually, maybe you need to take the sandals off and be vulnerable again and go, here I am. Your Lord, here I am, Lord. Send me, speak to me, call me right now. Maybe for some of us, it's a case where... Lord, how did I get here? How did things end up the way they are right now? I'm taking my sandals off um, because I know I need you to deliver me right now before I go to do your work of deliverance and creation in the world and reconciliation. And so today is really just about taking off the sandals and being honest about the feces that cover our feet. Um, I'm going to pray and then that'll be it for today. Father God, I thank you for your stories, um, the stories that we, we, we receive from your word the things that you did in real people's lives on this earth, how you sent a murderer who met with you in the most heroic encounter, entered into such a beautiful relationship with you and was a part of a deliverance story greater than the great escape. I thank you, Lord, that his baton didn't end there, but it was passed on to Joshua, who saw them entering in to that promised land and eating that fruit. And I thank you 
that he was ready to take off the sandals himself and follow in that great plan of being vulnerable, opening ourselves before God, acknowledging our, fa our failure and falling at the feet of your servant. Father, today, in our hearts, may we fall at your feet. May we be aware of the sinful nature in all of us that encapsulates us. May we be aware of our failings. May we be aware of the lies that we've believed. May we take off our sandals before you. Each one of us has something different that is holding us back. Each one of us has something, some lie that we believe in or, or some ideology or some shame or some guilt that we carry. Father, right now we just take off those sandals and we lay them at your feet and we come and we walk on the earth and we bring the dirtiest part of our lives into contact with you, knowing that your holiness will overshadow it, that it will overwhelm it, that your light will shine in the darkness, that your love will cast out all fear because your love is perfect, unlike no other. May you come, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. Come and meet with each of us in our own individual story and may you bring that freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we even get to a place where we can persevere, we have to be vulnerable and surrender ourselves to God. I honestly believe that every single one of us, every single one here, God has a great word for, and I believe he has a great plan for. And I think the biggest thing that will hold you back won't be your failures you make, it won't be the sins you make, it'll be the sandals you wear. And I believe that with all my heart. Um, it doesn't matter what you do in your life. It doesn't matter if you go all the way to the top and you fail and you throw it all away. I still don't believe it's over. I believe you just need to take the bigger sandals off again. And that cycle never ends. I'm still taking my sandals off. I'm constantly taking my sandals off and having to go, God, this is me. How is this working? <laughs> How on earth are you even engaging with me in this? Oh, that's right. I've got a load of stuff in the way. Let me just take this off again and reconnect. Um, I hope that's helpful. And uh, next week we'll be doing part two of our series Persevere and we'll get more into the Persevere side of it. But before we even got there, we had to take our signs off. Otherwise there's no point.